Morning, afternoon, good evening, hello. A number of people said to me, like they walked in and said, what are you doing here? I started to feel a little bit, um, I don't know, unwelcome or odd. <laughs> like I had a couple of heads more than I usually have, you know, whatever. Um, but no, I've been away this weekend up with the men of the tribe Byron Bay. Uh, that, the tribe Byron Bay, if you don't know, is where Phil and Maria Mason, who are really, really dear, probably some of our bestest friends on the planet, um, pastor an amazing community up there, and they asked me to come up and hang out with their men for a weekend um, and unpack all the stuff of the heart and um, dive deep into the world of emotions and kind of rip them open and sew them back together and send them on their way. And in 24 hours, I know, that's, uh, that, that was a big ask. Um, but, um, yeah, had an absolute hoot of a time. The people of the tribe say hello to the people of I-61. Um, they really love you guys. And um, we really love them. It's just a really, really, really cool thing. It did occur to me that I, I unpacked a whole lot of stuff with them in that kind of environment that I haven't ever unpacked with us yet. And... Um, <laughs> you are my favourites. There is no question about that. No question about that. Um, I'm sorry, Martha. I know you're in doubt, but I can tell you, you are my favourite people. There's no question about it. And um, if you ask me, I will unpack that stuff. I just won't do it today because I've got something else that's brewing fairly heavily. Um, but somewhere before the end of the year, we have been scheming, you know, maybe we can do some workshoppy stuff, uh, I don't know, in church, after church, instead of church. I don't know. We'll, we'll do something somewhere soon um, because a lot of us are doing the Elijah House stuff, which is kind of opening up the stuff of the heart and opens up the stuff of the emotions. And um, I get to do all this really cool stuff out in the corporate world that makes a lot of people cry. And I mean, that makes a lot of people get breakthrough. And um, and we don't always have, and because they like give me a couple of days usually um, to let loose at them, then you can do a whole lot of stuff. But when you've got like 35 minutes or thereabouts, it's just a tad limiting. So we'll create some spaces to do that and um, we'll bring tissues and um, all that stuff. But it is, it's less about that and more about actually equipping. How do we do the stuff of the heart well? How do, what are the skills that enable us to do the journey well? Did I say something stupid or are you guys just drunk? <laughs> In the spirit. Sorry, I've got, we've got new people here. Hello, new people. Very, very warm welcome to you. Um, so what I want to do tonight is actually um, is less about teaching and more about unpacking two prophetic words that kind of hit... Um, my radar in the last couple of weeks. One was um, a really dear friend of ours who prays for us a lot, kind of got on the phone and said, hey, I've been praying for you and your church and I got this really clear kind of thing for you and unpacked that and I'm like, ooh, that really resonates. That's significant, especially right now. And then another one of our friends, Jody Hughes, um, her and her husband, Ben, they now live over in Texas. Um, they did Pastor Pour It Out Church up on the, up and up there, the, the pineapple thing. Um, they're, they're good friends of ours and she published a word on um, a prophetic list called the Elijah List about a week and a bit ago and it came out, like it popped up on my, ra on my Facebooky radar about three days after I'd had this conversation and it was profoundly similar. And while our friend and Jody know each other, they had not been in communication at all and when you have a couple of different prophetic people coming at you with the same thing from a couple of different directions, I always listen to that and feel like it, it, it's a bit of a now thing. So that's what I want to do. And there'll be a couple of little exhorty bits, but largely I want to unload this prophetic word and, um, and then pray into it because it's pretty good. So Jesus, help us. <laughs> Jesus, we welcome the spirit of prophecy. We welcome the spirit of revelation and we just give you permission to unlock our hearts, um, to do stuff in us tonight individually and as a family in a community that will take us further forward into everything that you have for us that will see us brought into a deeper experience of your goodness. Yeah, we just give you permission. We hand over, we've kind of already handed over control, but we do it again um, and just say, uh-oh. <laughs> we just say, have your way, God. In Jesus' name. 
All right. So prophetic word number one um, came on the phone and the initial picture was about waves of healing coming. And that, that is a good thing, right? Um, and, and it was literally said, she said the picture was literally a wave and this wave was really significant. And um, there was kind of a dualness to the picture. One was this wave that was coming. It's like, it is bigger and more powerful than you think. And it's the sort of wave that when you're standing in front of it, you kind of go, uh-oh. Like it, it was of that kind of power and that kind of force. And she said, the water was both living water and it was salt water. And one of the things we know about salt water is it's very healing for wounds. And so this wave of healing, living, alive, salty, healing water was coming on us. Now, I'm about to make a statement. And if you don't listen to me carefully, you're going to think I've said a bad word. So listen pl- very carefully because I haven't yet said a bad word yet. And I, I haven't got a plan to just in case I'm just scaring a couple of people. So what she said is, there are waves of healing coming, the force of which will push you back onto your ask. A-S-K, ask. Or asks, plural. Not the other thing. Not the donkey. <laughs> so, in, so in the case of she said she talked about the wave and she talked about the fire hydrant you know when a, a fire hydrant or a water main like bursts and the force of water is kind of unstoppable and in both cases what she said was in both cases the reaction is oh no but when it hits it turns out to be exactly what is needed and exactly what is really wanted and what gets washed off in this watery experience frees you up for your asks. But it was just like God to use humour like that. <laughs> and like a big wave or like when, like when a water main or a fire hydrant bursts, it's something that can't be stopped and something that can't be controlled quickly. Now, before I unpack that a little further, I want to say something about the nature of prophetic words. So for those of you who are new, one of the things that is our experience is that God speaks specific truths at specific times because it reveals his intention. It reveals his heart toward us. And one of the key things to understand about any prophetic word is it is an insight, firstly, into the intention of God. It's an insight into his intention. But it is also an invitation to partner with him to see that thing manifest and brought about. Now, often we think when a prophetic word comes, well, God said it, therefore, it, like, it's, it's a given. It's just going to happen. Like, God said it, okay, I'm, I'll just stand here and wait for it to just show up and happen. That response is a recipe for a buttload of disappointment. A lot of disappointment. So I've been with guys all weekend. A lot of disappointment. Because prophetic words are an invitation to partner with God to see that thing come about. We see this really clearly in the parable of the sower. So really common parable. We know it. Matthew tells it well. Farmer goes, sows seeds, four different kinds of soil. I'm not going to go into that whole parable now, but four different kinds of soil. And out of those four different kinds of soils, only one sees that seed, which Jesus defined later as the word or the, um, the literal word there is kingdom word. So if you've been around church a long time and you read the parable of the sower, you've probably been taught where it says the seed is the word of God. We think it's the scriptures or it's the gospel message. That, that's the most common way that that has been talked about. Um, but the words literally in the Greek are kingdom word. It's not just a word about the kingdom. It's a kingdom word. In other words, it's a prophetic utterance that God speaks forth into a moment and it comes out like a seed. The seed is perfect. The seed is awesome. 
but it has to land somewhere. It has to get planted in soil. And there were four different kinds of soil and only one out of those four soils saw that seed actually bear fruit to its fullest potential. Now, a lot of us, you know, a lot of us could easily be sitting on a lot of disappointment around a lot of prophetic words that haven't happened. And sometimes, it's not the only thing, but sometimes it's because we haven't understood the nature of a prophetic the of a prophetic word is to bring us into partnership with God to bring that thing about. My wife made a statement in the last week somewhere, and you're going, did I? Yes, you did. Um, which was, dang, what was it? It was, I think that there is more co-laboring involved in the answer to our prayers than we think. It was something like that. More partnership. There's more partnership with God required in getting our prayers answered than we think. And it's a, it's a little like getting pregnant. Not totally like it, a little like it. And then, and look, I've never been pregnant personally, so I'm speaking from limited experience. Um, but there is co-laboring required to bring that thing forth. Hey, giving birth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to push. You got to do, there's, there's stuff that you got to look after yourself. You got to nurture that. You like, how you all doing? You okay? No, I think I might say, see, we, it's, it's good to just lean into the awkwardness sometimes. Um, because actually, there, there, Some of you think you should have stayed up in Byron Bay. They, 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 they would love this stuff. <laughs> They're a whole different world up there. <laughs> Lots of revelation. Some of it's God. Place. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about the, the region. Sorry. It's a very, very spiritual, eclectic place. I really love it, but ooh, trippy. Um, <laughs> so, the point... Back to the donkey. <laughs> is whenever a prophetic word comes out, there is an invitation upon us to partner with God to bring that into being because what this is revealing is the intention of God, not a foregone conclusion. This is what God is wanting to do, but the way he operates in the earth realm is in partnership with his people because we've been given authority in the earth realm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... There is this wave of healing that God is wanting to release. The force of which will push, push you back onto your ask, asks. So let's talk about the asks for a moment. This is where the word from Jody Hughes came, into, uh, came in because it was very clear that the, the being pushed back onto your asks was this healing is going to come and reveal to you that which you have been asking and God is wanting to answer what you are asking of him. Then Jody Hughes publishes this word about two or three days later after this conversation. And it starts with a dream. And there's a lot of, it's a relatively long word. And I'm not going to unpack all of it. And I think Deb's going to unload some stuff in the next few weeks where you'll probably pick up some of the bits that I'm not going to. And I tried not to do all of it just to leave some for you because... I'm notorious if both of us are speaking and I go first, I just steal all her material. <laughs> Clearly, you and I are the only one who thinks that. Actually, it's not that funny for you. Anyway, moving on. So, this is Jody talking. She says, I woke up from a dream recently hearing the words, ask me for what you want. And I knew God was redeeming what the enemy has stolen, robbed or broken in past seasons for many people right now. In the dream, a man called Rob, as in short for Robert, Rob, and I were chatting about asking God for what we wanted in the moment. I was using so many words to express my point that I'd almost lost the point of what I was saying. The man, Rob, wasn't listening as I was being unnecessarily timid and nice instead of be speaking boldly and succinctly. And then I heard a voice say clearly, ask me for what you want. 
I immediately understood that it is important and urgent right now that we ask God what we want. Don't get caught up in perfectionism, timidity, niceties, or dutiful, religious, trying to get it right way of praying. It's really key. It's so easy when we've been around church a while. It's like, well, this is how we should pray and we should say this and we've got to make that. He's like, no, don't do that. He said, just, she said, just pray boldly, be authentic, be specific, be bold. There is a grace to bring our petitions before God and actually pray them out. Pray, speak out, contend and decree, but ask God for what you want. Religious thinking would try and hinder or squash our freedom to just come before God and boldly ask, acting our faith. For anyone who's new in the event, when we talk about religious thinking, we're talking about the kind where, Timothy, where Paul said to Timothy, um, he warned about people who had a form of godliness but denied its power. And he said, with such people have nothing to do with them. So when we're talking religion, we're talking these dead, dry, boring systems and structures that have an appearance of godliness, but there's no power or substance in it. The Pharisees were a great example in Scripture of what we're talking about. Now, I understood that Rob in the dream, as in the person, the man, represented a robbing spirit that has mercilessly come against the body in recent times. And God is currently radically redeeming what the enemy has stolen. You don't negotiate or behave nicely with a robbing spirit. You boldly kick him out and call your stuff back in Jesus' name. It is so important to call our stuff back right now. There is a boldness required a fierce speaking out specifically for what we are contending for, to evict the enemy's lies. God is anointing your declarations as you speak with fierce courage and new authority. It's important to be vulnerable, authentic and honest to the, to the point and bold as we come before God in the throne room. God wants us, and here we go again, God wants us to partner with him in decreeing heaven's solutions, bringing redemption and breakthrough by inviting us to ask Him. He wants us to ask for the things that are on our hearts. This was very important in the dream, ascertaining what we are actually believing for and speaking it out boldly in prayer. Many will need to take time and make a faith list before the Lord and contend for specific areas in their lives. Now, this is an area we've talked into in the past is if Jesus stood in front of you right now and said, what do you want? Would you have an answer? It was when Jesus called one of the early disciples, Jesus stood in front of him and said, what is it that you want? And the only answer, I think it was James. I can't remember off the top of my head because I wasn't planning to say this bit. Um, but he said, where do you live? <laughs> Jesus said, what do you want? And his only answer was, where do you live? He didn't actually answer the question. <laughs> We've ministered in the past into this area of having a checked out will. My will is my, my volition, my ability to choose, my ability to say, this is me, this is what I need, this is what I want. And that often comes through disappointment. It can come through um, abusive or neglectful family environments that we grow up in. It, come from, it can come from a number of places, but where we learn what I want doesn't matter. And religious systems often strengthen and empower that kind of thinking with Taking Jesus, when Jesus said, yet not my will, but yours be done, we've taken that as a, I'm not to have a will. But Jesus actually had to have a will to say, yet not my will. Does that make sense? To say, yet not my will, but yours be done, many actually had one. But in that moment, he knew there was a bigger play involved. You know, like just the redemption of the entirety of humanity. So this is where our, the Father is inviting our will to be engaged again. When we've fallen into passivity, where we've checked out and just kind of given up and gone, oh, whatever will be, he's saying, I want your will checked back in. Let me go on. 
Even more crucial right now is our personal answer to the Lord's invitation and question in this season, what do you want from me? I sense Jesus asking the body, what do you want from me? This can be a confrontational question for many as it stirs areas of unfulfilled dreams and stories, questions, doubts, hurts and past disappointments. For many, asking is akin to believing again in areas where delay or disappointment has made it hard to go there and ask and decree in faith again. Asking him for what we want prods the hurting places of past disappointments. Equally, it compels us to look again at our hearts and in in vulnerability places areas of pain before the throne, asking God to heal, restore and redeem our hearts as well as healing any hurt or raw places. This is partly why it's important to make your request known to God right now. The asking in itself is healing, even though it requires brutal honesty and courage. God desires healed hearts and he is restoring places that need supernatural hope and healing. Be honest and raw in your times with God. Real healing and comfort comes from realness with God. Go to God with your pain and your questions, not away from him. That's pretty clear because the very thing of saying ask does bring up the, yeah, try that, didn't go so well. Yeah, and if you've been in the kingdom longer than 20 minutes, you've probably got some unanswered prayers sitting out there or some stuff that's in process and you're kind of in the thick of battle. And God is wanting to heal and to restore our hearts so that that wave of healing comes so that when we ask, we can actually ask with boldness. I heard the Lord say, let the robbed say, I am redeemed. Declare it over yourself and your loved ones. God is redeeming all the enemy is robbed. Decree, I am redeemed, not robbed. And she quotes Proverbs 6.31, if he is caught, he must play sevenfold, though it costs him all the wealth of his house. So this spiritual principle of fullness of redemption when a robbing spirit is discovered is a kingdom assignment right now. Call back what's been stolen. The enemy has overplayed his hand and many in the body can resonate with this sense of being robbed for too long. Finances, relationships, health, family promises, kingdom purposes, national identity. Let the voice of the bride, as in the bride of Christ, arise and ask for the nations. There is a divine shift from robbed to redeemed taking place in the core identity of the bride. We are co-heirs with God, partnering with God to decree on earth as it is in heaven. Our voice is powerful, it's crucial, and it's needed. How many of you would say, yep, there's been some robbery in my life? You want it back? We're going to pray before we're done. Going to be done shortly, but we're going to pray. Because that's, that's most of us in the room have got stuff that like, no, nah, I've been ripped off, I've been stolen. And you know, divine justice biblically is a seven times greater return for that which has been stolen. So whatever's been taken from you, it's gathering interest right now. Sometimes delay is discouraging. Sometimes it's gathering interest. And the longer it delays, the more interest it gathers. So when it comes back, it's coming back. Bigger, better than before. Okay, almost last bit of the word. Then in a vision, I saw ribbons and bows without presence dropping down. So if you, you know, like when you tie up a box and you put a bow, a nice big bow on it, and a big bow. Big bows, no present. To me, that would be horribly disappointing. <laughs> I was confused by this. For a long time, I leaned in asking God why I didn't see the presence with the bows. There were multitudes of bows dropping and the atmosphere was pregnant with possibilities and wild breakthroughs. An Ephesians 3.20 season of infinitely more than we can ask or imagine is upon the body of Christ. But a challenge to the body is that God's saying, he'll do more than we ask. There's an exception to that we are at least asking. So he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine, but it means we have to ask or imagine something. That's part of our co-laboring. I watched the heavens open in the vision 
and ribbons and bows dropped over people and faith exploded. Many will realise the authority they possess to speak out breakthrough and God change in this season. After this, I leaned in again and asked God, why are there no presence, God? And immediately I understood, God is waiting for us to ask. The palpable truth of this pierced my heart. Ask, decree, pray, press in, contend, speak it out. God is redeeming what the enemy has stolen, but often he is waiting for us to pray, decree, and use our authority on earth to call in the breakthroughs and to speak out God's promises. There's power in partnering with God to decree a thing and see it established in our midst. But even more poignantly, we must understand God is inviting us to ask him for what we want. God is specifically redeeming lost or stolen time and destiny doors to divine purpose. Anyone feel sidetracked, hijacked, sideswiped in terms of destiny, calling? Yeah? Okay, here's a good news for you. He is specifically redeeming lost or stolen time and destiny doors to divine purpose. Many who have felt robbed in past seasons or that time has escaped them or that their best years are behind them will be surprised as God redeems time and accelerates what he is doing in their lives. You know, he can do more in 12 months than we can do in 60 years. Do not lose heart. God is not limited by our concepts of how long it takes for restoration. I hear the Lord saying that you have not missed out. Time has not passed you by as he is redeeming time and redesigning and repositioning you. Things will happen quickly. Acceleration is upon kingdom promise and purpose. Last bit. Yes, last bit that I'm going to read. I often wonder why are we not walking why are we not walking in because we have not asked? Why are, what are we not living in because we've not persisted in asking? What are we not seeing on the earth because we've thought it presumptive or not permissible or biblical to ask? Matthew 18, 18 makes it very clear our voice and authority must be used, which is truly whatever I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And she put the emphasis on you. Whatever you bind on earth will be loosed on earth, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will also be loosed in heaven. There's a you, there's an us. We have a part to play in here. So just in case you're thinking, okay, biblically, this ask thing, what's the deal here? Let me give you two scriptures quickly. John 16. Actually, no, let me go to Matthew 7 first. Matthew chapter 7. And verse 7. This will be fairly familiar for lots of us. Jesus talking, because it's in red, we know it's Jesus. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks the door will be opened. Now, how many of your parents in the room? Okay. Often you can know how much your kids are trying to get a point across or, or want something by the number of times they ask or the number of times they repeat the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Yeah? You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So if Jesus is saying something six times in two sentences, do you think he's trying to make a point? Six times in two verses. Now, Jesus didn't know he was speaking in verses at that time, but (laughs) there wasn't like a number one and a number two coming out on his words as he spoke. Make sure you get this, guys. It's a new verse, you know, like that wasn't wasn't what happened. But it's in a very short period of time. In the same conversation, ask and it will be given. There's one. Seek and you will find. There's two. Knock and the door will be opened. There's three. So he says to do that. And then he says, four, everyone who asks knocks. Four. Five, everyone who seeks finds. Six, everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he goes on, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good, give, good, good gifts give? give. <laughs> ah, alliteration on the G and not enough coffee. Give good gifts to those who ask him. So part of what is at stake here is our view of the character and nature of God. 
So when God comes with a massive promise like this, one of the things on his heart is he wants to show you what he's really like. And so when he says, yes, seek, find, ask, knock, all of those things, six times in two verses, he actually points to the character and nature of God when he says that. Because he says, like you as humans who are fallen, if one of your kids asked for a fish, you wouldn't give him a snake. Stone. Whatever it says, whatever's in there. You wouldn't do that. So why do we think God would do that? So he's actually appealing to the character and nature of the father. And this is part of what is on display here is he wants to show you more of who he is. I also want to suggest that he wants to show you who you are in the process. In saying ask, in saying come and partner with me in this, he's wanting to show you who you are, your authority that you have to shift atmospheres, to change circumstances and to call back that which has been stolen. One of the things, the Elijah House stuff that a lot of us have been going through hits at the further you go into is these things called foundational lies. And foundational lies are things that come in and they get sewed in because of negative experiences in our life where we attach a wrong meaning to it. So in really simple terms, I was actually having this conversation um, with one of the guys yesterday up at the tribe um, and he was talking about how he was getting a whole lot of healing um, in the area of his relationship with his dad and um, Phil, our friend who's the, the pastor up there, one Sunday night recently had invited everyone to just say, okay, let's just stop and let's just look into the father's eyes. And he said, the moment he said that, this just frustration and annoyance came up in my, came up in my spirit. And one of the things I was unpacking with these guys yesterday is that our emotions are like a, a warning signal on the dashboard. If a warning light goes off on the dashboard in your car, it's a sign to check what's going on under the hood because there could be a problem. So when you have an emotional reaction like that to something, you can either go, oh, I just don't like that stuff and walk away. Or you can go, that's interesting. A dashboard light's come on. I need to check under the hood. And as he checked under the hood... He remembered in his own relationship with his father, his disappointment was if I, anytime I looked my father in the eye looking for love and affection, there was nothing there. And so he had, in Elijah House words, a bit of rude expectation that looking into the father's eyes, I'd get nothing back. Now, here's the thing, because what I was talking about was the meaning we attach to stuff and how that builds foundational lies. The meaning that he attached to that was, therefore, I'm not worthwhile. Now, when you're really little, it's really understandable that you would attach that meaning. Because you think, oh, it must be about me because, you know, mum and dad are perfect. The older you get, the more you know that's not true. None of my own kids are listening. Excellent. Still, good. Let's keep it that way. Now, what he came to understand that the actual truth of that situation was that was about my dad's issues, not about my value and worth. Yeah, my, my dad had had that from his dad, was his experience. He, he had no idea how to do that. He had no idea how to actually look into his son's eyes and to love him and, or to even find that because he'd never had that from his dad who'd never had it from their dad and so on it went on. But he had attached a story to that experience that said, well, obviously I'm not lovable and whenever I look, I'm going to be disappointed. But he personalised that. This is where foundational lies start to develop is when we have crappy experiences in life where we attach meaning that is not completely and fully true. And often there's enough truth in there for it to hook us, but it's not the whole story. You know, mum or dad left us. It must have been my fault. No, probably not. Mum and dad couldn't work out their relationship. That wasn't your fault. They probably tried a whole lot longer because you were around than they would have if you weren't. But it wasn't about you. But so many kids who are in a divorce situation attach a meaning that says, this is, this is about me. This is my fault. And carry that. Now, that might seem illogical, but I'm sure there's probably some in the room that have either been through that or that hangs around. Um, and I hear it all the time out in the corporate space as well as in the church. So these are things that we call foundational lies. And 
in this season, I believe God is wanting to surface these foundational lies and he's wanting to reveal his goodness to us. He's wanting us to know that when we look in his eyes, there is nothing but goodness and deep, deep affection for us and a desire to bring good things into our world. And he wants to hit the foundational lies about our own value and worth that says, well, I wasn't worth loving or I, I, I'm, I'm not worthy to ask. Well, apparently you are. Okay, John chapter 16, and then we're going to pray and land this thing. John chapter 16 and verse 23. So the context of this conversation is Jesus talking with his disciples and he's saying to them, hey guys, I'm going to be out of here soon. In other words, I'm going to the Father. My mission is nearly there. I'm, my mission is nearly done. I'm going to be out of here. And of course, they're like, "Dude, no! <laughs> you know, having you around is the best thing ever. Like, don't go." That's the that, that is the context of this conversation. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation because I really like the way Brian Simmons um, brings this out. Um, verse 23, he says, "For here is eternal truth." When that time comes, and this is when Jesus goes, leaves the earth, you won't need to ask me for anything, but instead you will go directly to the Father and ask Him for anything you desire, and He will give it to you because of your relationship with me. In other words, they were used to asking Jesus on earth, and they're thinking, hang on, you're nicking off in a much more biblical way than I just described. You're, you're, You're... Departing from the earth, and now what are we going to do? And he's like, okay, so far you've been asking me, but when I go, you're going directly to dad. You're going directly to the father, and everything reminds me of a Seinfeld episode um, or of something you know, comedic or, or, or funny. Um, but you know the old um, saying of, yeah, you know someone who worked, or you've done someone a favour, and someone, and in this case, in this particular episode, um, George, forgive me if you don't know the show, you should know it. It's really inappropriate, but so funny. Um, George needed a new pair of glasses and Kramer had done a favour for the guy that owned the optometrist shop. And so Kramer just says, hey, when you go there, just mention my name and you'll get a discount. It's that kind of thing of because of our relationship, it's like, let's say, Grant had something of intense value and I said to Martha, hey, you need that. Go ask Grant, mention, mention you and I are friends. He'll look after you. It's that kind of concept. Does that make sense? Yes. Even for those of you who don't know Seinfeld and haven't been enlightened in that way. In other words, because of our relationship, you can get what you want from there. You will benefit, baby, big time because he's awesome. Have you got some stuff? <laughs> Anyway, okay, now let's continue. Until now, you've not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name. In other words, you haven't been bold enough to pull on the Father because of our relationship. You haven't been bold enough to ask Grant for anything because we're friends. But this is going to shift. But now you can ask and keep on asking him and you can be sure that you'll receive what, you're, what you ask for. And this is the bit I want to hit. And your joy will have no limits. Or if you read it in the NIV, that your joy will be full or, com- or your joy will be complete. Um, all of our worship, well, most of our worship leaders got together on Thursday night at, at Jen's place and you know, we worshipped and we just chatted, you know, what's God doing? And one of the bits in our conversation was... Just this sense that God wants to increase our joy really flipping significantly. Now, we, we, we kind of laughed about this where, you, you know that old song in church, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Well, my experience has been that the joy in church has been so far down in the heart that we can't see it. <laughs> It's like the joy is down in the heart, the sucking the lemons is on the face. There's a bit of a disconnect going on here. And it's time 
that the joy was back, baby. This should be the funnest place on earth, not just because we're stupid and we're all fans of Seinfeld. You've just been converted, I'm sorry. There is some seriously inappropriate stuff in there. Just so you say, I do know that, just in case anyone thinks, oh, the pastor said I should go and watch this show, and then you get confronted with some interesting humour. It's the observation. Anyway, move on, Ferris. <laughs> Shoot that rabbit. Um, what was I talking about? Joy. joy, thank you. The whole thing is it's not just the joy of, like, we can have fun together, and actually joy... Fun, passionate adventure is part of our core value set here. It's actually listed on our core values document that fun and passionate adventure is part of who we are. But the whole thing of our joy being full actually comes out of answered prayer. And if we refuse to ask, if we don't step up to the ask, ask, we miss out on the joy. Because when the answers come and they come bigger and better than anything we were ever, you know, the, the whole Ephesians 3.20 of bigger, greater than anything we could ask or imagine, the only response is to kind of laugh with overwhelm of joy and go, wow. Four of you smiled at that thought. That's awesome. It's down deep. I know. The joy is down deep. I'm calling it up, baby. (laughs) Calling it up. Okay. So what's he wanting to do? Let me me kind of pull this together. He's wanting to, to heal the foundational lies about what he is like. He's wanting to show you how good he really is. Because he's so much better than you think. He's so less insecure and offendable than you think he is. I don't know, somehow in my traditional upbringing, I got this idea that God was very offendable and that he was, you know, someone's doing something bad. And it's like, oh, I can't look at that. <laughs> Let me make up a bunch of rules to stop people doing that because <laughs> I can't look at that. So when Adam and Eve had fallen in the garden, what was the direction of God in regard to Adam and Eve? Was he running away and going, oh, I can't see that. Oh my gosh. Can't believe I created that. <laughs> no, he, he walked toward them. He walked them in their general direction and actually called out to them, Oi, where are you? And we think God is so deeply offended, but actually... What would it be like to be with the most secure, unoffendable person on the earth? And that ain't even a candle to what the Father is like. You're going to have to work way harder than you are right now to offend him, let me tell you. Three of us thought that was funny. Okay, awesome. Doing well. Do it. Yeah, it is. It's like holding a candle to the sun. It's like, what's the point? I'm not suggesting you go out and try, by the way. I'm just not, not what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. So he's wanting to hit the foundational lie around his goodness. Because a lot of us are carrying around some foundational lies that are actually warring against the, 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 revelation, the true revelation of the character and nature of the father. He is a good father. He is the best father on earth. He's wanting to touch foundational lies about who we are because when we don't know who we are, we don't feel worthy to ask. And he's wanting to show us that, you know, when you are a son and a daughter of the king, you've got authority in the kingdom, baby. And what you say carries weight and authority. He's wanting to restore that. And you know what else? Because we can make this all very spiritual and all very... Uh... <laughs> <Byron> Bay. <laughs> I've sniffed too much Byron Bay air, I'm sorry. <laughs> As a dad, I love giving my kids cool stuff because I love seeing the look on their face. When it's like, that is just what I wanted and it's actually the really big, really good one. I love that. That's really, really cool. 
Do you reckon God's not like that or do you reckon he's even more like that? Just a thought. All right. Who's been robbed, stolen from? Stand up. And this could be finances, it could be relationally, it could be emotionally. Um, In any area of life where you feel like, it could be your health, um, anywhere you feel like the enemy has in some way attacked, stolen from you. We're going to pray right now. And we're going to take some of it. Now, I'm going to pray, but this needs to be a partnership because your ask matters. I said it right. <laughs> Not looking at you guys. Your ask matters here. Do you want it back or not? So it's time we started to get a bit feisty on the inside. It's time that fire started to burn again on the inside that says, nah, I'm calling that thing back. Okay, so I'm going to invite you, whether you want to pray in the spirit, pray out loud. I'm going to pray for us now, but I'm inviting you that this isn't us praying, not just me because I've got the microphone. Okay, you ready? So Father, in your name, we want to respond to this word that you have put out through multiple sources. And we want to, we want to recognize that you are speaking to us. And God, we right now stand before you as people. Yeah, we've had stuff stolen from us. We've had stuff robbed from us. And we say, no more. No more. We declare the season of redemption and restoration is on us right now. So over every situation, over every person that is standing, we call back that which was stolen and we call it back with interest, with divine retribution, which is seven times greater return for that which has been stolen. In the name of Jesus, we call it back. We call it in, in the name of Jesus. We command the enemy to release that which he has held in the name of Jesus. We call it back. We call it back. We call it back. In particular, I want to speak to um, the emotional effects. So we, we, we can be calling back physical stuff, but when physical stuff get raw, gets, even physical stuff gets taken, there's a violating feeling that happens on the inside. Um, and, and so I want to pray into that, God. We just release those, that, that wave of salt water, of healing water over every place in our emotions, in our soul and in our mind that has been traumatized or tormented by that which has been stolen. And in the name of Jesus, we release your healing power right now. And we give you permission to touch those, those hurting, those disappointed, those confused places in our heart. And God, where we've attached meaning to those events that is not true, God, we release that now. We give you permission to show that to us. I just see some of you having kind of flashes of revelation right now. Man, I attached a story to that. And, And it's time to say, okay, I acknowledge that story, but I acknowledge that wasn't the whole truth. That there is a bigger picture involved. And Father, release your truth in Jesus' name. We just release those waves. We release the waves of healing. Okay, how many, and this is not remotely, even remotely, if you know me, the slightest bit of judgment at all on this, but how many of you are still carrying some disappointment? It's okay, let's, let's, let, this is something that needs to be healed. It's not something we rebuke. It's just, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just bless these hearts, everyone who just responded then, everyone in this room that's carrying disappointment. Father, we release waves and wave, wave upon wave of healing into those disappointed and confused places in every heart. I just declare restoration over you. I declare restoration over you. I declare restoration of your hope. Where hope deferred has made your heart sick, we declare healing to your heart. We declare healing for hope deferred.
for how many of you does the, does the robbing involve um, a loved one, um, a significant other, a family member, a, a child, um, anywhere in that that has walked away from God and is not walking with God right now? Yeah. That's huge. Okay. Let's go for that one right now. Yeah. Let's, and let's, let's all agree together, hey? Because there is huge authority and agreement. So, Father, we call back those prodigals in the name of Jesus, those who, who have known you, who have tasted of your goodness, and those who, are, who have never known you and, and may even call themselves atheist or be, be in outright rebellion, and, and the situation seems impossible. God, we say nothing is impossible with you. And God, we release over them an experience of your goodness that they, just like it says um, in the Psalms, that surely goodness and mercy will run after me all the days of our life, God, that your goodness would chase them down in a way that they can't escape, such that they are confronted not with your rebuke, but confronted with your heart. Scripture says in the last days they will fear the Lord and his kindness. So let them have an encounter with your kindness that causes their heart to turn. God, we call them back. We call them back. And that which the enemy has stolen from them, we declare restoration over their lives in the name of Jesus. And I speak over you the grace to believe again, where you've given up hope, where disappointment has has taken root. We release hope over you again in the name of Jesus. And lastly, for all of us, God, our, our ask, just give us clarity and awaken for those of us whose wills have checked out. Where when, when you stand before us and say, what do you want? We don't know the answer. God, we call our will back to life. We just call every will back to life. We give it permission to be exercised. And for some of you, it might be like it's a muscle that's always been there, but it hasn't been exercised for years. So the first time you try, it's just like really flabby and, you know, seems to have no strength to it. But all you've got to do is start moving the thing again. And once you start moving, it starts to get strength. And then you give it some weight and then you give it some more and eventually it comes back. But right now, we just speak an awakening to our will that should you stand before us and say, what do you want? We know because we know who we are. We know our authority as sons and daughters of the King. And we know what heaven on earth looks like through us. We give you permission to work in us to that end in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Amen.